Welcome to the Conquistadors. Join us tonight as we discuss the pay-per-view, The King of the Ring, 1993. Tonight, with the mouth of the north, Ewan Taylor. Rugged Cameron Phillips. Geordie Allen Milburn. The Doctor of Style, Phil Doyle. Only tonight, on the Conquistables. All right, welcome to episode two of the Conquistables. Sorry, welcome to episode two of the Conquistables. Yeah, I haven't got a cold this month, so I could probably go at that. <laughs> go on then. The Conquistables! Wow, I felt that over oh, here. Bad one. Well. <laughs> oh my god! Who's that? The the, uh, the triple threat has turned into a fatal foy this week. Aye. Uh, because the other host, I'm trying to frantically think of a good wrestling name, nickname for you. Grappling you and Thomas. Uh, Te- oh, oh, tell you that, I ruined boo. it. Oh, dear. Dear, dear, dear me. F'd it. it. it's ruined. Sorry. I uh, hang my podcast head in shame. Yes, Ewan's on the show this week. Ewan's here. Hey. Hey. Why couldn't you bother turning up the first one? The first show? Um, it wasn't I couldn't be bothered. It's just I couldn't. Oh, because Canton, you couldn't be bothered. He said, he, he said that you said, screw this. It's rubbish. I don't want any part of it. How could I say it was rubbish when I hadn't done even the first show? Your logic is flawed. No, it's not. Because... This isn't Sonic Ring where you can get away with like plot <laughs> holes and stuff making no sense. This is the Conquistadors. Things make sense here. Does it? <laughs> does it doesn't Vince Russo WCW. Speaking of that, I just want to quickly mention before I start that I watched... Me and Ethan sat down and watched Halloween Havoc 1995 oh on the WWE <laughs> Network. Specifically the bit where they throw the giant off the roof of the building. <laughs> oh, that's and the monster just... truck one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and then he just kind of walks into the match, and they're all like, "Yeah, he survived." <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's like a whole like like twenty minutes of them just basically driving around the roof of a building in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, and then they try yep. desperately, bless them, to make it sound like the most exciting thing ever. No, it's, and, and it's not. And there's only like that little bit at the end, and it means nothing because he's back at the end for the match. Yeah, <laughs> it's essentially pointless. Ethan was like, he couldn't quite grasp what was going on. That's good. He fundamentally just just like, but he fell off the roof. <laughs> yeah. But but they said it was five stories onto concrete. It's wrong when a young child can poke holes in wrestling logic. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Although he um he was sat there. I don't know if you saw my um, tweet about it yesterday. He, he was sat there watching it, and he kind of he just sat there watching it quietly. And he went, "You know, what, Daddy, people at school say wrestling's fake. It's not fake. It's real." Yes. yes. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." Now show him some more New Japan and get done with it. Yeah. I already have done the shot, you and see. This is where the podcast takes a very quick left turn to the Orient. No, <laughs> and it's all. I'll just be good. Japanese I'll be wrestling. good. Yeah. Okay. Because not we're not going to have that this week. This week, uh, we're looking at the inaugural pay per view, King of the Ring, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. The first time I believe that the King of the Ring has ever been held ever. Welcome to the heartland of America, as the World Wrestling Federation presents. The first ever King of the Ring extravaganza. No, I like it's <laughs> no, no, Al. I think you'll find they say it's the first time history's made for the first yes. time. Because there's never been a King of the Ring before, apart from uh, King uh, Macho Man and King Hulk Shh. Two and, and uh, King Harley Race 
Oh, and Jerry the King Lawler, which will come back to you later. <laughs> There's been no other kings in wrestling, apart from in this one. Well, I've actually got the 1991 King of the Ring. What? I have indeed. Did they actually show uh, that? No, it, it is not... taped from a camcorder inside the arena. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I wow. kid you not, I do indeed own it. The quality's not the best. No wonder. Uh, um, Bret Hart won that one. <laughs> well, spoilers. Oh, I said he won that one. I didn't say anything else. We're gonna uh, we're gonna get and talk to that. That if um, the other they go, oh yeah, I should probably say uh, Cameron and Al are still here from last week. Hello, hey, hello. I got so shocked by you and being here that I got my uh, hosting duties got kind of knocked off track. It's fine. It's like we won't hold it against you. You've got our names right at least. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> Very upset over here. Uh, Cameron Milburn and Al Phillips. <laughs> there you go. A little joke there for you, boys. A little bit of name humour. That just makes it sound hello? like he's my brother. <laughs> or, your, uh, or your partner. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we and I had a civil now, partnership, but now we're married. You know, oh, I mean, what's brilliant. wrong with that? proper married now. That's, that's beautiful. Oh, guys, think, think of the that. future, eh? Should we just crack on with the show then, shall we? Yeah, let's get on with the show. Yeah. Get on with the show. Tonight, eight of the toughest superstars of the WWF will bang heads in a grueling single elimination tournament to determine once and for all who is the king of the ring in opening round matchups. Former WWF champion Hitman Bret Hart will square off against his old nemesis, ruthless Razor Ramon. Pure perfection meets pure power as Mr. Perfect takes on the sinister Mr. Hughes. Hacksaw Jim Duggan will butt heads with a massive beast from the east, Bam Bam Bigelow. The undefeated Native American Tatanka grapples with the narcissist Lex Luger. Who will survive this grueling test of strength and endurance? Who will be crowned the WWF King of the Ring? All right, King of the Ring. Like last week, we're going to go through the card, top to bottom. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, the start of the show, we introduced for the, um, the Madison team for, the, for tonight's show. Um, Hacksaw. No, no, I'm talking. I'm looking wow. at part of my notes. I'm looking at part of my notes, sorry. Can we um, start off with a dark uh, match? Oh, go on, yes. yeah, because there was a dark match one, wasn't it? It yeah. was it was a USWA title match, <laughs> uh, and champion Papa Shango defeated Owen Hart. Can I just say yep. that though, I don't think those words have ever been used together before or since. Papa Shango champion? Yeah, champion of Papa Shango. <laughs> I was going to say, Papa Shango actually held the belt. Well, the USWA <laughs> belt, for all it was worth There's not a story about that. Oh, go on then, Apparently, I, I read, it's on his Wikipedia page, he only, he only got the belt because... Um, the organisation wanted to tap into the uh, increasing numbers of black people that were getting going to the crowd. So they picked Papa Shango. The black champion would be a good idea. But apparently Shango realised this and um, wasn't comfortable enough to drop the belt. So having a black person hold a belt because they wanted to get more of the black audience and having him in the dark match, that was the best idea they came up with. That's not the fact that I'm worried about. I'm worried about they must have looked around the locker room and went, which black guy can we have to put a belt on? How is about ah. the really stereotypical voodoo guy over there? <laughs> stereotypical voodoo man. <laughs> yeah, he'll do. Yeah, in 1992, they had Coco Beware. Well, it, Coco they might as well put it on the parrot. <laughs> <laughs> and then after Crying out loud. the one that they were, um, the one that they uh, appealed to the Indian community, so they let Tatanka have the belt as well. Oh, Tatanka! Oh, Tatanka! Macho Man got it at one point. Was that back when it was the proper belt? No, it was, it was like a talent exchange thing between them and, and I think it was in 92, 93 they were doing this talent exchange thing. Oh, so kind of like how you, they'd use like Smoky Mountain wrestling. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it was, board. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So uh, Owen Hart not even on the card. There's a shot. Yep. So yeah, the announcing team for the night, you've got Jim Ross, uh, Bobby the Brain Heater, and the match one, Randy Savage. Did anyone, I mean, I've written on my notes, right, right at the start, that it seems that Macho Man and Heenan are in a competition, at least for the first round matches, as to who can say the sentence, you've only got 15 minutes of time, <laughs> the most time possible. I start to tell yeah, that at one point that I gave up after it got past 100. Macho's obsessed by it, isn't he? He, he must have a stopwatch yes, on he's, his desk. He's there going, you've only got 15 minutes of time. All right, Hitman, go get him, brother. Remember, he got a one-ball, 15-minute time limit, so you got to go get him early. Don't let him stall. You know, you're right about that, Savage. You can't lay back. you got 15 minutes to do it to advance. Come on, brother, you got 15 minutes to win oh, the match. It's only early. <laughs> in between that, explaining how the tournament actually works for the two people that didn't understand. Yeah, I, uh, yeah the phrase, only the winner stays on. Like, <laughs> I think yeah, that's how they work. <laughs> I quite like to all that when they do the graphic of all the people in the match, all, all the faces are in white text and all the heels have got black text. Yes. Subtle, you see, they're subtle. They're kind of telling you how it works. Uh, but I also wrote down um, the King of the Ring theme was rubbish. I like the King of the Ring theme. It works. That's nah, rubbish. And also, I noticed it was the new WWF logo. I'm not sure if this was the first one or if it had been introduced. In- I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it, uh, obviously, the last one we did was had the proper Chrome logo, but now it's got that kind of more, uh, not the new generation logo or the Scratch logo, but the kind of intermediate one where it's kind of a bit more Oh, uh, the, one, the one you used for Old School Raw, that one. Yeah, kind of uh, a bit, bit uh, like a one-up from that All one. All right. So. There's a new logo. So obviously this, because we're into the period now of that kind of change between the the, the late 80s, early 90s WWF and what would be the Attitude Era. Mm. The, the the floundering period, as I think we can call it. <laughs> I think, are we, are, so, are we um, officially calling this period post-steroid? Yeah, yes. I think it's safe to call it that, yes. Post I, um, I, that without thing we don't wishing talk about. To, without wishing to name individuals. Oh dear. <laughs> Oh, steroid. I think that's the safe political non-sue term we can use. So I think that's I think, it. Yeah, I think we're the... not putting that on anyone in particular. No, no. No. I think the polite way to refer to this would be the the, uh, the, the Lex Luger years. Because... Uh, yeah. It, yeah, because he is kind of, you know, uh, I think he was, he came in at the previous Royal Rumble after doing the WBF stuff for a while. Yeah. And he, uh, he's in the card on this, up against a tanker in the opening round of one of the matches we'll come to in a bit. So I think, you know, he would soon to get a big push. So it was like Lugo seemed to be the person mm. they thought was going to be the next big thing. For Before them. we jump into the card, can I just make a comment? I did watch uh, the last one, WrestleMania 8, and that WBF promo is one of the creepiest things I think I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Why? Because he drinks an entire glass of milk. It was yeah. just weird. Yeah, it's... Take it off, Lex. Show him the body. Yeah, give us a peek. Body, just give us a peek. Mm, give us a peek. Mm. It's like, what is going on? Oh. Oh, not good. It was, it was just weird. Not good. It was just weird. So we got the um, the instructions out of the way. We've got the announcing team sat down, counting the 15-minute time <laughs> clock for each match. Yes. Because these opening matches I've got, I think, is it like a 15-minute time out in the first round, 30 minutes in the next round? An hour in the finals, final. Like an finals an hour, yeah. 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 So first match, in it comes, you've got the bad guy, Razor Ramon versus Brett the Hitman Hart. Now, if anything says early 90s WWF, it's Razor Ramon, isn't it? But there's, there's kind of the Scarface music and the the uh, the toothpick and his swagger down to the ring. How brilliant he, he, was Scott Hall as Razor Ramon? 
he was, he was, he was the man. He owned that. And what I like as well is like as he comes out, he's getting all the one, two, three chances. Yes. I totally forgot is... that that this was just. I, I was telling Al yesterday. I thought the um, the Sean Waltman thing was like ninety four ish. He does feel later, doesn't it? Because this is this is ninety obviously ninety three, which is I think Raw's only just been on TV for a few months mm-hmm. at this point. Because that the was shock one of... factor, I think, is what it was. Yeah, because yeah. they kind of like they had to kind of prove that on Raw anything could happen. So having one, two, three kid beat Ra- uh, Ramon on on Raw was kind of a big deal for him, wasn't it? Just kind of show, look, you need to watch this because he, he up every week with a different it. name. He was the Kamikaze kid. He was the Lightning kid and stuff like that. Oh yeah, he just he was just the kid. Yeah, he was looking for a name, and then they found one for him. Yeah, the one, two, three kid. So he, so Ramon comes out getting all the chance. Um, out comes Hitman to steal the best Hitman music. I don't care what anybody else says. His original, his original theme is the best I've Hitman. Heard theme. His original, yes, yeah. And also written down first of all uh, that the ref had a great mullet. <laughs> Are we looking at here after the pudding ball haircut of one of the refs in WrestleMania Eight? Yeah, we, yeah. We should kind of concentrate we, on referee haircuts more around this. Absolutely. Time. It's actually a fashion show hidden under a wrestling show, so tuning, get your day, guys. There's no way you can miss that mullet, though, obviously, because the ref's in like, lots of the shots. You just can't miss it. It's just there. I also, I also have another question as well. They mention at various points that Bret Hart is the number one seed, but at no other point do they go through the other seeds. No. Because he's the number one to all accounts you. It's just like number one yeah, on but I'd one. like to know who the number seven seed was. It's important information that me as the audience needs to know. Oh, it's, I reckon it's the Hughes was down there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the hacksaw, well, he was certainly up there with two. the weights, but we'll get to that later on. We'll get to that later. Yes, I mean, um, they, they work a pretty good match, those two. Um, although I, I kind of feel like the, it takes a while for the competition team to get into some kind of, kind of rhythm. They, it feels quite disjointed at first. There's only a couple of kind of good lines from um, Heenan during the match. Uh, what's one about Bret Hart? Like he was, he was um, uh, Hart family of fifteen kids. It was one of each. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, the great like that. But but I kind of felt like it wasn't like because obviously WrestleMania eight we had proper classic Heenan kind of going all all the way through it. But he was kind of I don't know. He wasn't on his form this time. Well, well he's right? probably got the um, the offer from WCW. Uh, <laughs> his true, last yeah. one would be Survivor yeah. Series ninety three. Yeah, so it's not long to go, yeah. is it? Him and Mean Gene. Well, WrestleMania Mean Gene doesn't count. Yeah, Mean Gene's waiting at the coronation stand as we speak throughout the entire event, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, they, um, I, um, I don't think there's kind of they don't get time to kind of create a really good classic match. Yeah, well, there are some sorry to interrupt you. A corner Bret Hart's book, right? Oh yeah. Oh, here, here we, we go. go. <laughs> Even enough quotations. Um, Razor Ramon was very green. He was not as green as he was during their Rumble match, which of course Bret Hart carried. But he was still quite green during this, and apparently didn't trust Razor Ramon executing the razor's edge in fear of breaking his neck. If yeah, only yeah. so. But um, yes, uh, as you hear a lot, the majority of any good Bret Hart match, of course, is down to him solely. Um, Obviously, <laughs> it's a running theme also of him not really wanting to take any finishers from any other wrestlers. Because if he doesn't want to take the razor's edge, there's a whole thing Kevin Nash has about how he didn't want to take the power bomb. Yeah. The jackknife yeah. at one stage, apparently. Was that when he was injured, though? And it was kind of because obviously it's quite a tough move, to, quite a big move to take, isn't it? So no, it was something about um, before WrestleMania 12. They had um, him and uh, there was a match which um, the Nash and Bret Hart were going to have in your house yeah. six. That was the one. And did the Undertaker not interrupt that one? Yeah. In and the whole idea was that um, Kevin Nash tells a story about how Bret Hart was going to, you know, he was going to give Bret Hart the power bomb, 
and then Nash would have had him, and then Undertaker was going to come in and then DQ, blah, blah. But Bret Hart yeah. refused to take the powerbomb because his argument was, oh, no, that makes me look weak if I, if I, if I could get pinned up your finisher. And Nash was like, yeah, but That's it makes me look good going to face Undertaker. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not taking the powerbomb. I'm not taking your powerbomb. I'm not taking the jackknife. So they ended up having to do this kind of like weird thing where Taker just interrupted at a random moment. <laughs> just came in randomly. Yeah. But sure, that's the whole point. Like a finisher should be able to finish anybody off near enough, shouldn't it? So pretty much, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Unless you're unless you're Cena and oh. you are Alberto <laughs> Del Rio. That's true. Yep. Anyway, moving on, we're getting caught up. It's quite weird. I, I, he says that Razor Ramon was because still green because he'd been wrestling for about five years, hadn't he? Like in WCW, was like was he Big Scott Hall or whatever his name was? That like, could be Cowboy kind of guy. Was he the Diamond Stud? Something like, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd been wrestling a while, but so it's, years. Hitman's Quinn and Green's a bit weird. I, I remember that being like kind of a really good um, clothesline from Razor when he kind of nearly kills Bret Hart. Yeah, and then yeah, the, he just turns, it's almost it's almost the laddie almost. It just absolutely floors. It was kind of like okay, that seemed yeah. a bit hard. Absolutely sucks the air Brett. I've also written a note yeah. on here that's saying that Brett, at one occasion this match, runs the rope twice for a punch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was to really wind up the punch. Yeah, we, we get to the finish, which is a, a superplex off the top turnbuckle, which Hart turns into a pin. Bang, done. Yep. yep. In the 15-minute time limit, which is, you know... It's a fairly decent opener, actually. I quite enjoyed it. Of the opening round matches, it's, 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 it's easily the strongest match, isn't it, compared to what comes afterwards? I would actually, I would actually rate... Of the opening matches, I would rate Tatanka Lugaro for this. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh. I, <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. No, no, we'll get to that 15 minute snooze fest later on. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a bit, there's a bit. I think Lugaro and Tatanka, oh, we'll get to that in a minute, right? Carry on. Yeah. Um, the only thing I noted down about this match was that um, front row, just behind the, uh, the ring, there's a Hulk Hogan impersonator in the crowd. I thought that was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it looks like him in about <laughs> 10 years. So yeah, I just thought, did you just keep seeing like this Hulk Hogan guy in shot? He's like really kind of like, just why did you do that? I know you're a Hogan fan, but come on, <laughs> put him on the other side of the ring where you can't see him or something. That's the, anyway. that's the guy they sent to the courtroom to basically say, "Hey, I'm Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I can't be on steroids." Okay. Look at my muscle. Look at the pythons. They're they're, they're barely adders. Come on, <laughs> barely adders. Yeah, so, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. So yeah, well, that's a short title. Do you want to know the um, the Dave Meltzer rating for this match? Well, three stars. That's been generous. Uh, yeah. Two and a half, yeah. maybe. So we're out of that match. Uh, we get a nice um, video package detailing the feud between the, the Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, that that one was building quite nicely, wasn't I, it? I actually forgot about this, and I actually screamed when I was watching this. Giant fucking Gonzalez is here. Then I remembered that Giant Gonzalez was the worst wrestler known to mankind. <laughs> No, I think you'll find that's... Um, oh, the big Indian fella. What's big his name? Big Carly. Well, he can barely walk. Jan Gonzalez is a at very least, close second. Yeah, at least he can walk to the ring and not like he's going to collapse in the moment. <laughs> that's a, in, in to defense. be fair to Carly, he does not wear a costume which has fake muscles and armpit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't forget the sprayed-on crotch muscle or whatever it is. To be fair to him, he never has to suffer that. This is true. Yeah. But there's also the great line I, from Savage, I believe, where it's the quote of, Taker's been laid out by Mr. Hughes at this point with the urn, and Hughes is just laying him out with urn shots. And the line is, come on, Undertaker, sit up, do that thing. <laughs> do that thing! Come on, Undertaker, sit up, brother, clear the ring! Do that thing! Do that thing, yeah, get up! It's like, uh... <laughs> so I, I, so I, as you said, the, the, the video package leads into the 
Mr. Perfect, Mr. Hughes match. The Battle of the Misters. Yep. Yep. Do they call it that? Mr. Mr. Yes. Mr. Mr. Never knew how much I missed her. Because of the show Sister Sister. Oh God! <laughs> oh dear! But, but it's but it's Mr. Mister because it's anyway the match. Um, okay, Jesus. what I wrote down this, about this, this match is fairly was... infamous in King of the Ring, because um, bizarrely, the... Mr. Perfect had to fight three qualifying matches against Dyke the Clown. It seemed to be the main event of Raw every week or something. <laughs> Dyke the Clown. Yeah, it's it was like a superstar as well, aren't we? That was the last match. And they kept going to time them at draws, but then they kept getting another chance next week. I don't see how that makes any sense. Because <laughs> it's Dwight the Clown. He can, he can bend reality, can't he? I suppose. There you go. <laughs> but the uh, the main thing, the first thing I wrote about this match was that um, as Perfect comes out, he does the behind the towel, throw in the air and catch. Yep. And they cut away from it. Yes, they do. They miss it. I was raging. I was so <laughs> angry. But then, but then Perfect gets into the ring and he kind of behind his back throws the towel and it lands perfectly on Hughes' shoulder. It does. I wrote that as well. Yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. It's just, it's just perfectly on his shoulder. It's the look on Hughes' face. It. He does quite, you know, put that across quite well because he does look absolutely yeah. disgusted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course, th- this is um, face perfect. So Bobby Heenan's all angry at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Perfect, big deal. Yeah, I don't remember Mr. Perfect being a face. This was what confused me greatly watching this back. I don't remember a time that Mr. Perfect was a face. Maybe I was too young at the time, but when when I saw him come out, I'm like, what the hell? It was the big thing when he turned against Flair, because when Warrior got sacked at Survivor Series, they needed a partner. Turned Flair perfect against Flair, turned them first. Yeah, which is that that Heenan-Flair relationship relationship was really good, so it kind of felt a bit bad breaking that up. But yeah, so um, I've got nothing else written about this match apart from what a dropkick. No, 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 no. This is the first instance of the brain scan being used. Oh, the brain scan, of course, yeah. To, oh, yeah. to, to, rate, to draw the trajectory of Mr. Perfect's gum, which unfortunately looked like a penis by the end of it. I laughed and watched yes. it about eight times. <laughs> <laughs> That's the why it scan. wasn't Luger that was the cock drawing. It was Perfect. <laughs> it was perfect, oh, yes. I mean, I it thought was... I, in, in my memory, I thought it was Luger. No, Luger was the one where he was. Um, we'll get to it later on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We get, well, we get I, like a mid-match. I forgot about the brain scan, and I demand it return now. <laughs> well, even though he is dead, sure. He um, used it in Survivor Series '92 to. Um, I think he made Virgil into a big pile of mashed potato after Yokozuna. <laughs> yeah, Perfect because credit. I remember that. <laughs> Yokozuna's leg was a turkey drumstick. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the mashed potato, which is Virgil. It's a bit racist. I remember that. <laughs> but this match is nothing. It ends on a kind of just, just for no reason. Um, your man Hughes grabs the urn and yeah. lays out perfect. For no reason at all. Did anyone though notice the bit before that where there's a moment where Perfect crotches um, Hughes on the ropes, and in order to sell this bollock crunching move, Mister Hughes grabs his own arse. Yes. <laughs> and you're there going, no, wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong side. They've actually gone and said to him, and are starting to peek out his arse. That's why he's grabbing it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I completely, I completely forgot about Mr. Hughes because he, um, I think he went across to ECW afterwards. Uh, he wasn't in uh, WWF very long. For some oh, unknown reason, they kept hiring them for very short stints. Because he came back <laughs> as um, Triple H's bodyguard, didn't he? Well, Hunter Hearst's bodyguard. It was before China, yeah. Yeah, before China. So it was, I, 
he's he's not bad in the ring. He's just kind of just a like a big heel guy yeah. who hasn't really got any credit. You know, perfect is his best, but he just can't get a good match out. There is a charisma black hole. Is what you need to know. <laughs> that's, that's that's right. He's also a large black hole as well because he was massive in this match. So yeah, that was uh, that was that match. One of the stars according to Meltzer. That one was. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, for the, the finish. I think, I think that one of the just a random DQ yeah. from nowhere. That's kind of about right. So did Bret Hart tell them both how to work that match? <laughs> yeah, he just kind of pops up and just goes. Bret Hart broke this whole thing. We just don't yeah. know. I think there was another, there must be another um, Hart comment. I've written down another Bobby Heenan quote where he says, Bret Hart's the, th- the 14th of 13 children. Yeah. So we get we get past that. There's a Yokozuna bit. Yes, where they um, reference the, as I wrote down, WrestleMania 9 bullshit angle. But what I love about it, because he's Japanese and all that, mm. they start, they fo- the, the start of the, the video promo, they focus on the Sony stereo in the room. <laughs> Yeah, and they pull out from the Sony logo. Yeah, because he's Japanese, so therefore he listens to a Japanese stereo. As if they're sort of saying, "Look at him with all this foreign, non-American yeah. crap." Yeah. <laughs> oh, and speaking of it being American, I mean, uh, they they mention this an awful lot about it being in the heartland of America. Welcome to the heartland of America. From the heartland of America, Hogan wanted to defend the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt right here on the heart of America. We're in the heartland of America, Dayton, Ohio. The heartland of America. We're in Dayton, Ohio. And we're so happy that you're with us. I think because like they make a big point of saying Hulk Hogan wants it here because it's the heartland of America. And Jim Ross is like, we're in the heartland of America. It's Dayton, Ohio. Here is a in the heartland of America. <laughs> yeah, and they just kind of keep mentioning it all the time. But like like Ewan just said, like with the um, it's in, uh, that the place you're in... Um, Dayton, Ohio. It's a rubbish venue, though, yeah, isn't it? It's 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 nothing. It's a nothing city in the middle of Ohio. It's yeah. I don't know what they were going for. Well, it holds like from reading the um, Wikipedia page, it only held like six and a half thousand yeah. people. It did look. It did look a, like a very big. It did look a very full building. I'll give them points for that. I don't know because at some points it looked quite empty. There's a few sh- times later on where you can kind of see empty seats on like the the, the main hard cam view. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. of they've tarped off a bit of the top area. You can mm. tell some of the shots. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a weird it's a weird venue, yeah. but it's in the heartland of America, which is the important. And thing. the whole the whole thing with the Yokozuna Hulk Hogan thing was it was Japan against America. It was the Orient against yeah. the All American Boy, um, and as we'll learn later it's... on, um, Hogan's very passionate about his country, even to the point where he mispronounces it a few times. <laughs> so yeah, that that's the uh, the Yokozuna promo out of the way. Then we get to the next match of the uh, King of the Ring: Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. What a mess this match was at times. <laughs> Jesus. It's, it's pretty inoffensive, though. It's only about eight minutes. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, they get through it. I mean, I've, I've written down um, two big men running into each other. <laughs> That's about right. That's essentially it. You know, they just keep off the ropes into the into the other guy, stand there, and just repeat for about eight just, minutes. I'm just amazed that Jim Duggan managed to make a long and fairly successful career out of carrying a piece of wood, shouting the word hole, and chanting USA. That's about all he's got. It uh, really worked for him, didn't it? Yeah. I, the USA chant. I wrote, I wrote down the formula, Hacksaw Jim Duggan equals vintage Santino, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, it's, it's perfectly a good comparison, I thought. Yeah. So yeah, they just, they, they try to do like a bit where um, uh, he gets like a rib injury. I get a bit of friction in the boots in this match between Macho and um, Heenan. Like he's like, you're out of line Heenan about something. They're kind of, they're the booth's not a settled booth. It's not a happy booth <laughs> doing the broadcast in this one. <laughs> Are his ribs injured, Ross, or is he just choking on some American apple pie? Maybe it was something he ate, didn't agree with him. 
Not a chance, Bobby Heenan. You're out of line right there. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is a tough competitor, and he's a tough guy, and he's going to go at the beast from the East. You watch it. It does seem like they kind of tried to use Jim Ross as a straight guy, yeah. and then they had Heenan as the heel, and then obviously Macho Jim for the faces. It was a pretty kind of set up that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, <clears throat> you occasionally got a good bit of banter between uh, Savage and Heenan as a result of this. Yeah, right. I think that, yeah, I think... Ross doesn't feel like he doesn't feel comfortable in this show. I don't know what it is. I know well, it's he, only he, like his second one, isn't it? Yeah. He, yeah, he, he did uh, WrestleMania 9. He did this one. Then I think this is the last one he did until about 96 or something, was he, it? He gets shunned on WF Radio. Yeah. Um, and he did. I think he did one match at Survivor Series 93. Um, yeah. I'm not even sure he did one at SummerSlam. The top of my head. Was it not is around it? about that time at the tail end of 93 that he had his first bout of Bell Palsy? Might have been around that time. I think it was. I but think I remember him saying it was 93, 94, he had his first bout of Bell's Palsy, so he had to take some time off. He's far from being like the voice of WWF that he would become in this mm-hmm. match, isn't he? He's, it's not that Jim Ross. He's, he's still kind of, I think he's still trying to be, trying a bit too hard to like impress Vince to kind of keep his job. Yeah, it did come across that way. He kind of like, I'll be safe, I won't say anything, I won't get too involved, I'll just call the action and let the other two color analysts yeah. do the, the kind of added stuff. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you, you guys had this promo, because it was on the W Network, with, with, like a little Terry Taylor promo. Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> yes. Terry Taylor with the Steiners and the Smoking Guns. Yes, it's on the, the, the Classics DVD, which I'll load to me. <laughs> their moustaches are, they're pretty good moustaches. <laughs> they're amazing moustaches. <laughs> Rick Steiner takes the moustache, you know, champion of the room, but... <laughs> There's some good moustaches in there. Rick Steiner, he's a shouty man, isn't he? I forgot how shouty he was. Yeah, he's an, he's he's an angry gentleman. Shouty, barky, hairy man. <laughs> well, dog face. Yeah, you know, face. come down to the dog pound because we're going to be a bunch of green dogs in the ring. Because when you think of, like, um, the Steiners, you tend to think, you know, how Scott Steiner ended up being Big Papa Pump and mm-hmm. all that. But whereas you kind of forget Rick Steiner was, like, he was the shouty crazy one. Yeah. He made even less sense than Scott Steiner. Yeah, I've just yeah. down, Scott Steiner has a two sentences on a promo and doesn't swear. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Scott. Well done. Well done, Scott. Medical achieved. Medical achieved. So we're out of that match into the uh, the match that we previously alluded to, the Le- the Titanic battle of the, the undefeated streets, Lex Luger versus Tatanka. Oh, yes. Now, I this forgot. is set up wonderfully, this match. With I, I like the narcissist gimmick. I do as well. Yeah, it was good. The minute I saw that mirror, memories of my childhood came back. I'm like, oh my God, I remember this now. This guy loves to look at himself in the mirror, doesn't he, Macho Man? He is really full of himself. I remember the whole thing. I remember the thing about the plate's been a big deal. Yeah, the elbow pad. Yes. I love that. The, the, the ref saying, no, you're wearing an elbow uh-huh. pad, mate. You're wearing... Because you've got like... What is it? He had like a motorcycle accident. There's a metal plate. Yeah, there's a few metal plates. Well, as, as um, Heenan uses the brain scan for... There's a. <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly what he draws on it, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Basically, to emphasize okay. the fact that um, he's got a very strong arm and the plates have nothing to do with it. They kind of. Where do we stand on Tatanka? I I liked him when I was a kid. Yeah. I did I did Tatanka foam um, hatchet. <laughs> he's a good fist, but a crap heel. That's what I would say. But this was in the middle of his push. Obviously, he's in the middle of his big undefeated streak. Yep. Uh, which lasted what? Well, lasted a good year or so, didn't it? They kind of they kept that going yeah, for a long time. Yeah, he debuted before but... WrestleMania, nothing wrong there. Not long after the Rumble, yeah. uh, was it Survivor Series just before Ludwig Borger beat him? 
think so. Oh, that'd be Borger. On an episode <laughs> of Superstars of all bloody things. Yep. <laughs> Wasn't even a pay-per-view he got beat on. He pinned him with one finger. That's how good the wee Borger was. Can I, can I put a so, point towards you, gentlemen? Go on, then. The floor is yours. I've written a note here that says, Ahem, Tatanka was last generation's Kofi Kingston. Ooh. Ooh. I didn't see him do no handstands. He's like a mid-card kind of guy. He's got a yeah. really high tempo to him. He's really good, but he's not quite got it. Yeah. yeah. The crowd like him when he comes in. They get on their feet. Yeah. And then when he goes away again, you're like, oh, that was all right. Yeah, it was all right. He's like a Big Mac. He's like a but, Big Mac, isn't he? He's just kind of like, he's just good for like a five-minute filler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't look at Tatanka and think, oh, yeah, future world champion. Oh, God, no. No, no exactly. But he was decent. But, you know, you think, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 good Mac. Oh, he's a Tatanka match. That's yeah, good. You saw him come out and you're like, all right, this match isn't going to suck. Yeah. I mean, the match, the match, they work. I think the problem with the match, it seems like Lex Luger gets blown up quite quickly. Because a lot, a lot of it is uh, to tank on the floor, and Luger stood there with his arms in his hips, pacing and taking deep breaths. And then uh, Tanker tries to get some offense, and then Luger puts him down again, and then he kind of paces for a couple more minutes. Well, it's it's quite fast to begin with, isn't it? It's straight mm-hmm. to the yeah. point. But I I I was writing that thinking, well, they obviously know that this is going to go the full fifteen minutes, and this is going to be their only match of the night. Yeah. So they can afford to go it. full tilt at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because they've not got to do any more work after that. <laughs> They're <really>. done. <laughs> <laughs> They're done yeah. tonight. They can go and back they... to the hotel. See you guys. And they've got to let um, Heenan get a few more digs in into Tanker as well on, on, on the mic. Yeah, using the hey ha uh, warrior again. Yeah. And, uh... yeah, but he doesn't understand what 15 minutes is. To him, that's a third of a moon. Many moon come for I win match. You know, I'm your But at one point, um, I'm sure Macho Man says like the King of the Rings is more important than the WWF title. <laughs> I'm positive. I've written that down. It's like it's more it's more prestigious than the WWE title is winning the King of the Ring. There was a, there was a lot in this that was kind of trying to emphasise that this was pretty much a number one contenders match. Yeah, yeah. really. Oh, the tournament rather was pretty much a, a number one contenders tournament. Yeah. Quite an extravagant way of doing it, though. Oh, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with ourselves. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I quite like you know they sell the time limit again during the, yeah. on the commentary, but it seems like at no point does the ref signal the time to the. To yeah, I was going to say for all the commentary team babble on about oh they've only got fifteen minutes, oh they've only got fifteen minutes. There seems to be then in this match established that there's no actual way of the wrestlers actually knowing how much time is left. <laughs> yeah. How much time's left? Does anybody know that? It's got to be less than two minutes guaranteed. No, how much time's left? This is very important. There's no, there's not, there's not a clock at ringside. There's no countdown yeah, or anything. There's, there's, no, there's not, nothing over the PA saying five minutes remaining. No, nothing, no. nothing. It's the just com- there's the your fifteen just minutes. Taking guesses, they go, I think we have yeah. about four minutes remaining. <laughs> yeah, and then we, we get to the draw, and it kind of feels like Luger almost starts doing like a face kind of thing. He's like, he's like going to the crowd. Let's have another five yeah. minutes, hey! And then he just lays out to Tanker with his elbow. Sure, and goes, well, I'm done. Yeah, just walks out, right, I'm but done. Bye what then. this does mean is Mr. Begalow goes straight to the final. Gets a bye. Gets a bye to the final. Ridiculous. Two and a quarter stars. Meltzer gave that one. Nah. Mm, that's been yeah. generous, I think. So, but considering Razor and Brett was three earlier on in the in the pay-per-view, I think that's fair. Because, again, like I say a lot of it is just... Luger pacing around the ring. I still quite enjoyed. It's probably still for sort of the first sort of five minutes of sort of action and the setup to it. 
and you know the story. I, I probably enjoyed this match the most out of the first four. Right, so then we get on to uh, we head into the next round of the uh, King of the Ring, which is the 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 Heart Perfect match. Yes, which we get, we get a nice promo with Mean Gene stirring up trouble. I love this. I love the fact Mean Gene was just stirring the pot and just standing back and watching his work. Yeah. I just wrote down in my notes here, uh, Gene stirring the pot. What a pitch! Before we talk about that particular matchup, Bret Hart, did you not say earlier on? That you would prefer to wrestle Mr. Perfect over Mr. Hughes, and why? Well, I just wanted to wrestle Mr. Perfect because I have more respect for his you, wrestling. You think ability. he's an easier opponent than Mr. Hughes would be? No, that's not what I said. Yeah, that's that's not what I, said. Over I, his I mean, is that what you said? I think no, you I, probably kind of intimated that. Well, really, you maybe took it the wrong way. What I meant is that I that I respect Mr. Perfect's wrestling ability, and I like to go in there and have a wrestling. Wait, match. no, you said you said you prefer the endurance as to the size and strength of Mr. Hughes. Is that what you said? <laughs> It's quite a difficult kind of promo because obviously they're both faces, mm-hmm. but then like they both bring their old dads into yeah, it. Yeah, it evolves into the classic Scottish uh, "my dad will beat up your dad" argument. <laughs> both of you are second-generation right. wrestlers. Your father, a great one, and of course, uh, Larry the Axe, a great one. But uh, did the two of them ever meet? I'm very curious. Yeah, they met. My dad beat his dad. Your dad never beat my dad. But I also like the fact that they they keep referring back to the the was it SummerSlam '91? Yes. Uh, uh, I've written that down as well, like going, oh my god, they're referencing a pay-per-view result from almost two years previous. <laughs> yeah, because that was the, you know, the, the classic intercontinental title match. Was it, did Hart win his first belt then? For the, sorry, the first singles belt? Yeah, he did, yeah. So they're kind of always referring back to this match. And to be honest, these are probably the two best wrestlers on the entire card tonight going into the match, aren't they? Yeah, except Mr. Hughes. Yeah, well, obviously, Mr. Hughes, clearly. <laughs> so. Let's not, let's not maybe... forget Mr. Hughes did beat Kamala to get there. <laughs> Of course, yes. the mighty Kamala. You know. Yep. So yeah, I mean, the, 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 this is like the glamour match of the King of the Ring, I think, going through it. Yeah. And um, they work an absolute cocky, don't they? It is very, very good. Yeah, it is. Sure, it was all Bret Hart's doing. I'm sure it was. Oh yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Bret Hart carried the match. Bret Hart just carried him. Yeah. Totally. I think what, what I think what helps it quite well is that. Uh, even though perfect to face, he, he uses his kind of heel bad cop nature quite well. He does. I was, I was just say, I wrote a note on that as well. I, I was thinking there's a nice twist that perfect does, kind of effortlessly actually, into wrestling as a heel. Yeah. In the first match, obviously, he's a total face, but against Brett, he heals it up really nicely. Yeah, I mean, it's not like overt. It's just kind of little things, and then there's I think there's a point where he helps Brett into the ring, then punches him like sucker punches him. And he comes That's in. the problem nowadays, though. When you've got two faces against each other in modern day WWE, they've got no idea what to do. No. So it's just the criticism per- going. Why do we care? Yeah, I mean, perfect. Just kind of shows like someone's got to take that kind of heel role because mm. you, you you need like the the two people kind of antagonize each other to kind of get the match you going. You don't need to be smashing with chairs. You don't need to be putting them through tables. Just little things that get the crowd yeah. interested and kind of go, oh wait a minute. Yeah, it's like um, perfect doing like hair pulls and mm-hmm. high digs and stuff, isn't it? It's all just it's nothing kind of overt. It's nothing that's going to turn him completely heel yeah. again. But it's just giving like an edge to the match. A little bit, a little bit can... of psychology, that's all you need. Yeah. But what I've also written down for this one is that, uh, at one point I've put uh, scientific at the start, brawling at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, exactly, it's, yeah. it's lovely. The match just flows effortlessly from one style to the next. It's, and it, it, the, yeah. the, you know, they, they start off with the scientific stuff at the start. And then they get more desperate, so it starts getting a bit of a brawl at the end, you know, fighting on the outside. And things like I wrote down as well about there being a quite a nasty-looking spot with a slingshot off the apron into the yeah, barrier. Yeah, that was like no fun. Is that when that Brett lands on his arse in, a, in what looks like a crate of Pepsi cans? Yeah, that's yeah, not pretty meant much. to be just, there. 
<laughs> you, you reckon? Did Bret Hart insist that, that it wasn't put there? Uh, I don't think it was his knowledge it was there. Yeah. Because this is when they start selling his knees now, and he starts kind of going into um, limping for the rest of the night, effectively. But I also wrote as well, like, the, the ring had a really good sound in this match. And the hitman scoops up Mr. Perfect. Both men trying to go for a slam, but it's perfect for the advantage. Kicking him away. Side headlock takeover. Oh, what an offensive exchange. And that's quite a weird thing, but like all the, all the kind of um, bumps they take, they sound really good in the, during the whole match. You want to know what I I've often think? On that subject, I often thought that WCW rings back in the day had a better sound than WF rings. It sounded too yeah. high. It sounds too high to crisp for me. WCW rings is all watching yeah. Nitro, and the ring just sounds wrong to me. I'm not talking. I'm not, a... not talking Nitro. I'm talking like early nineties WCW. Right. Um, okay. When, yeah. when you used to watch WCW worldwide. Right. Okay. And like all the old WCW pay per views, the sound of the ring when the, uh, when they like so we're talking about the sound of bloody canvas and wood. Okay, we get a look at Robbie V, youngster out of Battle Creek, Michigan, against the former light heavyweight champion Scotty Flamingo. Makes him over again. It's interesting because. Um... On a recent episode of the Stone Cold Steve Boston podcast, someone someone asked him, you know, what was like, how were the rings back in WCW days? Because again, you say that they sound differently, and he kind of talked about how the rings, the WCW rings, were quite were quite soft, so they could take kind of good bumps on them. And then when he moved to the WWF, the rings were like much much harder, so he had to kind of change his game a little bit in order to kind of you know counteract that. In order to not break the yeah, and like um, I think it was Ray Mysterio talked about how the rings are slight, were they were slightly bigger in WWF compared to WCW. Mm. Like it might have been a sixteen foot ring compared to a twenty foot ring, and like he had to completely change his game and his timing in order to wrestle properly. So it, it does kind of matter a bit. Yeah, yeah, because it, it can like, if the ring's too hard, it can affect what they can do in a match, and it can stop them from doing like the really kind of big painful bumps because you're just kind of basically landing on what essentially is like planks of wood, aren't you? So yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a cracking match. Um, the I like the end. It kind of they work into kind of like uh, dodging each other's finishes. Yeah, like, Brett they, tries to lock out the perfect plex, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, yeah, tries to box the perfect plex, and then um, I think doesn't perfect switch over the the, the sharp future as well. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's like that, there's like that really long figure four as well that Brett pulls out. Yeah, and like perfect sells like an absolute bitch. And um, and that's what you know, kind of busts perfect up for the rest of the match. Yeah, and it's brilliant. But also, um, uh, another thing I liked about it as well is like as um, Perfect's doing kind of more and more heel stuff, um, Bobby Heenan starts taking credit for it. It's a smart move. I'll tell you right. why it's a smart move. He is still relying on my psychology. He remembers what I taught him. That's why he's there because of me. I, he's doing all my tricks. I taught him all these tricks. He never forgets. And all that and stuff, and then we get to like we get to the finish, which is a good finish as well. It is yep. good. It is a really good. Finish. It turns into a reversal fest, and uh, eventually, uh, Brett gets the better of him. Yeah, isn't it? Um, doesn't he reverse um, a small package? Uh, yes. Yeah. He kind of rolls it back over again. A perfect. I, I love how perfect sells, like how shocked he is. Mm-hmm. Angry, and then he shakes his hand off. He goes, yep. it's, like that, a really, that... it's like a really curt handshake, though. It's like one little mm-hmm. kind of shake, shake, slap on the shoulder, and yeah. away you go. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's good, though, isn't it? It, it kind of sells like their rivalry, though. I think it absolutely because yeah. when he was out, he was outside the ring, you could tell at any moment he, could, he thought, you know what, I could spam this guy right now if I wanted to, but yeah. and he decides at the end exactly. not to do it. It's that little kind of 
a hint of there's something maybe coming down the road. Yeah, that would have been good. If they kind of were able to work into the programme together, that would have been really good. Mm. But yeah, a good match. Four and a quarter stars, according to Meltzer. That's, I'd agree with that. Yeah, perfect match. And then we get, uh, we get a shot of the, of the booth, well, the, the table, with uh, Macho Man's, I think at this point, is so head up, he's taking his hat off. <laughs> <and his> glasses. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> he can't sit there these matches have been so and intense he had to declothe he had to declothe and what I like about this little bit is at one point Jim Ross calls Bobby the Brain Weasel <laughs> he's like what do you think about that Weasel and Bobby Heenan's like genuinely shocked Weasel have you ever seen a, a more intensely competitive match than that who did you, what you refer to me as Weasel I know you're not talking to me are you Brain never mind so you had the whole Weasel was- thing with like Ultimate Warrior and things like that like a few years previous. Yeah, yeah, but there was always like his nickname back when he was in um, what was he in AWA back in the day? I think it was. So that was always like his uh, his the crowd would chant uh, Weasland yeah. all the time. But he can't just call him that when he's commentating. He's a broadcast journalist. Anyway, <sighs> we're gonna have to start getting into it now, boys. We're into the pro- the Hulk Hogan promo <laughs> before the big match. <laughs> this promo was amazing. Focusing on one of Jimmy Hart's jackets yep. with the airbrushed face of. Hulk Hogan. As uh, Mean Gene, I believe, describes Hulk Hogan as the greatest hero in the history of the planet. This is the immortal Hulk Hogan, the great American hero, perhaps the greatest hero in the history of the planet. Yes, not just America, of the entire world. Hulk Hogan is the greatest hero in the history of the planet. Perhaps the greatest hero in the history of the planet. Just let that sink in there for a minute. Just, just think about those words. Hulk Hogan is the greatest hero in the history of the planet. In the history of the planet. What's your problem? <laughs> I'm, just well, I'm just saying. Hero, well, oh, as, as the arcade used to say back in the day, winners don't take drugs, except vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a bold statement for Mean Gene, that is. That's quite a, he's leading heavily with that mm. one. And then I'm sure kind of Hulk starts using some firing out some Paul Harbour kind of imagery. Yeah, he goes off in this weird American Gets Orient rant. Um, yeah. This time he's already mispronounced America. He's missed the A out, so it's the heartland of America, which is... Heartland America, brother! With the pythons! And then Jimmy Hart takes over and almost forgets the colours of the United States flag at one point, which I thought was brilliant. People want to know, what's it like to manage Hulk Hogan? What's he all about? This man has red, white, and blue running through his veins. I was never sure this Hulk Hogan-Jimmy Hart partnership. It kind of came out, I always thought it kind of came out of nowhere when, was it uh, Jimmy Hart turned on the Nasty Boys, didn't he, WrestleMania 9? That, that, that's how he joined Hogan. He, uh, he turned on them when they were, um, we were going to bust Bru- Brutus's face up with a briefcase. He should have just let them, shouldn't he? Because Brutus is a dickhead. <laughs> but yeah, this, like seeing, seeing Hogan with a seeing Hogan with a manager, I was, it, it didn't feel right because it's Hulk Hogan. He's always kind of like been by himself and been like that kind of individual figure. To have him with a manager, I don't know. It just, it just didn't quite work. Um, I guess it gave someone else for Hogan to play off of in promos. It wasn't just Hogan yeah. ranting at the camera. Yeah, I suppose Jimmy Hart needed a job. Didn't well, he? yeah, yeah. So I mean, the promos are right. And then we're into yeah. it. There's a, uh, there's well before they come out. There's quite a few photographers down down the uh, ring, including one one photographer with quite a big beard. <laughs> doesn't, look sus- doesn't look suspicious at all, does yeah. he? 
with his giant beard. I'm trying to remember what I was reading recently. Um, I think it was on the Torch oh, website. Somebody asked the Wade Keller a question going, why aren't there photographers at ringside anymore? And he actually made a really good point going, well, it kind of adds in a bit of importance to the match because if there are all the people surrounding the ring, it makes it seem more important than it might be. Yeah. And in this match, it seemed a big deal. You had this guy coming over from the Orient. You had all these photographers following him. It made Yokozuna look like a big star. It did, yeah. Even though he's from, what, Hawaii? Well, yeah. But... He's Hawaiian, yeah. <laughs> no one knew that. Yeah. It also feels like a, quite a strange place in the card for, like, you know, the heavyweight championship match. Because it's what it's about halfway through, isn't it? I would say it's, it's probably first half uh, main event or second half opener. Yeah, it's, it's quite strange. But you have to admit, when Hogan comes out, those fans still pop. Oh, for him. Of course, they uh, they kind of they really do they really do go for him. But Jesus, the match! Oh, yeah, God. this match sucks. <laughs> it is it is obvious at this stage that Hogan really doesn't. Care. anymore. <laughs> He's, He's like, door, I'm getting paid. I could do whatever I want. Yeah. I'm done now, Here's the interesting thing, though, right? Hogan was desperate at this point in time for a television career mm-hmm. away yeah. from wrestling. Because obviously, we'd had the steroid bust. He decided that wrestling wasn't for him anymore. He wanted to make his money in Hollywood making. I mean, Thunder in Paradise already started at this stage, and that was why. I mean, he didn't even appear on WWF television from WrestleMania 9 until this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he was trading, that's why. Yeah, not only, he'd never been in the ring, he'd not wrestled, had a couple of pre-tape promos, and that was really it. Yeah. Now, my question is, obviously they wanted to get the belt off him if he was going to do that. Hence, obviously, Yoko goes over in this mm-hmm. match. Yeah. If that was now, 20 years later, 21 years later, and your world champion was going to be in a film or in a in a, a TV show on a regular weekly basis, mm-hmm. even though they were going to take the time off wrestling, they'd probably keep the belt on him. You mean like a Dave Bautista situation we've got now? Exactly. I mean, it's like The Rock kind of last year mm-hmm. because he was they gave him the belt and he was wearing it around yeah. all these movie premieres. Exactly. How much years. attention? How much extra attention did he get because he was the WWE champion? And that rubbed off, obviously, in WWE. Exactly. It's a good thing. But I think, um, like, a film schedule is different from a TV schedule, though. Because it's not so much promote, promoting around, you know, the um, um, the filming of a TV show, isn't it? He's going to be constantly, he's going to be constantly doing that. And whereas he had The Rock um, with the belt, he was promoting his film. So he wasn't actually, you know, making the films at that stage. So I think it's a little bit of a different situation. But I can kind of see a point in that. If your star's going to be like a big, you know, it's more just going to be visible a for a while. Changing attitude over that two two decade period. Yeah, that I'm yeah, interested yeah. in. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously it, it, it's obviously at the in the early nineties. It was kind of like there was the, there was the wrestling business, and there was movies, yeah. and they were a very separate thing. There was there was and wrestling and other entertainment. Now it's come under a full banner of entertainment. Yes, and yeah. it, 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 you know they're trying to gain to use that horrible word synergy. Yeah. Well, I wonder what would have happened if um, Hogan had gone to do something in like the late eighties when he was at his biggest, compared to where he is now in '93, where he's like you know he's clearly on the wane at this point. Like even in the WWF, he's he's not the he's not the man of the company anymore. He's obviously on his way down. So I wonder if like you know around about WrestleMania four or five. If he'd gone through a TV show, then would they, would they have left the belt on him in the middle, like or in the middle of his big run in you know the the four years he held the belt originally? Um, interesting idea. Yeah, um, mm. 
I'm not, would it have been different I, I would be inclined to believe at that time they probably would have tried to get the belt off him. Yeah, because he couldn't have Hogan sully the belt by taking it around to all these other low-rent entertainment places. But still kayfabe, I suppose. Well, well kayfabe it was back yeah. then. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing I've read about this match really is that it's a match built on compromises full of compromises. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, it was, it was Hogan didn't want to drop the belt to Hart, did he? So that's why they kind of brought Yokozuna into it. Well, I'm, I'm, can... I'm not sure. I'll, I'll do that later. Oh, Julio. Yeah, I knew it was coming. I knew the counter was coming mm-hmm. to that, Phil. Something was coming to that. Oh, I, I, he counted me like I counted him last week. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. But it just feels like it, it just feels like it wasn't the match that it should have been. At, it's like like the wrong match at the wrong time, but it's the match they had to do at, yep. the, at the time. Oh yeah, which is just like it's just it's just like a big kind of big lumbering match. Mm-hmm. I think the problem, like, the, the, like um, on, on my notes, I kind of wrote down the problem with it is like like both men need need a good worker with them to kind of create a really yep. good match. And we've we've got two in the ring. I don't think either one of them is a good enough worker to create that kind of really good no, match. But they did find a way out of not having a clean finish, though, with the photographer appearing, <laughs> with the exploding yep. camera by the non-suspicious beardy man. Yeah. But so that's just ridiculous by itself. I mean, it just looks like really ridiculously big. Mm. But they, I noticed as well they they talk a lot about the match about Hogan trimming uh, Hogan trimming down for the match. <laughs> And he does look he does look suspiciously like he's lost some muscle mass. I don't know how he could have lost uh, that muscle mass. I have mass. no idea. Um, no idea. He's beating on a boat. He hasn't got time to train. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> also quite also, quite so, simple. There's no there's nothing nothing suspicious about that. <laughs> nothing untoward. Maybe he hasn't got enough vitamins to take anymore. I don't no, know. No. Conversely, on the other side make... of that coin, though, they kind of say, "Oh, Yokozuna's bulked up. Oh, yeah, he's bulked up for this match," as yeah. if that's a really good thing. Yeah, and yeah. In, retros- in retrospect, you're thinking this guy did die of a heart attack, right? Yeah, <laughs> they, they shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> but they kind of say Hogan's trimmed down for speed, but it's Hulk Hogan. They tell Hulk Hogan's not speed at all. No. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about this, this whole match is basically built around the fact that Hogan it wants to slam Yokozuna. Yeah. And he, then can't. He can't. Yeah. He keeps going for it, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he, I think he could physically. But he was told he's not allowed. They, were to. Gonna, they obviously build up to that around summer sometimes. Yeah, because that would have blown that angle if he just slammed him right there yeah, and then. That, that's yeah. a WrestleMania <laughs> angle. That's what you do it that at Mania. Totally. But um, yeah, uh, well, the other thing I wrote down is like where well, we talked about the Justice match in WrestleMania. 8. That one, that that one had the big long nerf hold in the middle. This one's got a bear hug <laughs> that lasts yeah. about feels like it lasts about half an hour of a bear hug. And then um, uh, I've written down. Uh, Yokozuna does his big kick. It does his big splash. Oh, Hogan kicked out. Yep. What a surprise! Shocker. Again, it's Hogan by numbers, yeah. really, isn't it? I did. I did like the the triple big boot attempt. That at least seemed a bit like he was trying at that point. But I kind of saw that they did. It did work to kind of sell Yokozuna as like a big exactly. Guy, a it big worked him as a giant, unstoppable beast at that point. Because everyone else up to that point, yeah. the minute you hit that big boot, you know it's done. Yeah, and the leg drop. Yeah, you're done. done. Thank you very much for playing. Yeah, and then Yoko does a couple of banzai splashes just for good measure. Crushes Hulk America. Kids are crying. Yeah, kids were not happy during Macho's the show. Macho's angry. <laughs> I like the fact Macho they say in commentary: the children in the arena are crying, and it cuts to a child who is blatantly not crying. <laughs> not crying at all. <laughs> oh, well, the, well, another thing I liked about like at the end of the match, um, Yokozuna is getting out of the ring. Mm. 
So he puts the belt on the floor. He drops on the floor to get out of the ring. And Macho Man screams, did you see what he did? He threw the belt on the floor. <laughs> like, yeah, he's getting out of the ring. He's getting out of the ring, mate. You know, he can't carry it. He can't carry it. Thanks, Have you noticed as well, by the way, a... whenever Hogan in this match, and usually in the past as well, gets hit by a big move, he's mm. selling, the idea behind Hogan's selling is basically to feign epilepsy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he, he gets, just he gets the bombs, it in this really uncomfortable kind of... Uh, 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 Manner, it just looks like you don't, know, you don't know if he's hulking up or is he having a fit. It is. He's having wrong. some kind of fit. That's what hulking up is. It's him having a stroke. Yeah. Oh no! So <laughs> I feel the power on my leg. <laughs> so basically, that's the end of Hulkamania. Yep, Hulkamania is dead. Long live the Orient. This match yeah, sucked. That's that's Hulkamania. What nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety three? Sure. One and a half stars. It wasn't dead. It was just sleeping no. for a very long time. <laughs> it, it went was, into a coma. Was Hulkamania dead? I think not. <laughs> That's a bold statement. <laughs> I think, okay, Pro, uh, Hulkamania part one was dead. <laughs> How about that? Can we agree on that? Yeah, let's go with that. Oh, I, on that. I think we so probably yeah, saw we the from... resurrection of Hulk Hogan in about 2002 post-WrestleMania 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and died so shortly thereafter. It's been put away for about nine years. Yeah. It's been, t- <laughs> it's long, been tucked away time. in the shed, just getting ready for its rainy day. Yep. So we go from the past of the WWF to the future with Shawn Michaels. Yes. You see that? Segway. Michael's looking very cocky in this promo. Yes. I love it. He's, he's, mean Gene throws out a Jurassic Park. Yes, he does. <laughs> I was like, whoa, Mean Gene. Calm yourself, man. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I Shawn Michaels says, you know, Hulk Hogan is a dinosaur and he's just been eating like a big brontosaurus burger. Yeah. Uh, yeah mean Gene just goes, totally you've just watched him too much of that Jurassic Park. It's like, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> wink to the camera. And I believe that, that this must be the, one of the first times to actually name DJ. Yes, because... this is the debut because up to that point, he was just this large gentleman that killed things. But this was the official... Yeah introduction of Maybe diesel of to diesel. the world big daddy cool diesel Indeed. just kind of stood there all kind of big and yeah, stuff he looks mad i don't know if it was the way they shot this promo but diesel looked massive he is he's, he's a, a big fella. guy i know but yeah. it just the way they shot this i don't know what they did but he just looked like he terrored over them obviously he did but he looked absolutely huge yeah. so we're into the uh, the next match which i believe is one of the most pointless matches on the card uh it is just a filler uh, Steiner Brothers and the Smoking Guns versus Money Inc. and the Head Shrinkers. Yep. Why does this, this, why this match exist? Who put Money Inc. and the Head Shrinkers together? Yeah, because that makes Weird. sense. <laughs> and it makes even less sense. You've got the tag team champions in there yep. just as part of an eight-man tag match. Why not have them in like a proper tag match for the belt? Because that would make sense. I quite like as well, obviously, Jim Ross uh, uses his WCW knowledge to kind of refer to all their moves correctly, the Steiner Brothers. So he's... <laughs> Instead of a clothesline, it's a Steiner line. Yep. You know, he, he kind of he, he feels more comfortable doing these guys because he knows what they're doing, knows their moves and stuff. They were they weren't long um, coming over from WCW were they at this point? Uh, I think they were just fresh in. Yeah, so obviously Jim Ross knows them quite well, yeah. so I think he feels more comfortable calling them in this match than he does most of the other people on the card. The finish of this match, where the match just ends and then Mayhem unleashes, it's like every single TNA Impact match ever now. The match ends, and then everyone gets in the ring and has a fight anyway. He runs in, has a fight. I mean, the Steiners did pretty much nothing. I mean, you know, it's just, just a bit of a kind of a bland, boring match. I, but, I yeah, spent I feel... a long, long time during this match just looking and thinking, and it's weird how they got to be where they are, because you're kind of sitting there thinking, there's Billy Gunn, yep. who in this, who in this yeah. match is like a yeehaw rodeo cowboy, and you're sure. thinking, yeah. give it ten years, he'll be doing a gay wedding. 
That's a good and then you're sitting there going, you know, we've already said, you know, how I, I still don't know how Scott Steiner went from that to what he became. Um, Makes no sense. Drugs. I, drugs? I just, well, probably, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of uh, drugs. And you're, you're, you're just kind of looking at folk going, really, that's just a bit weird. Oh, and um, uh, the head trick is Rikishi's in it as well, isn't he? Yeah, I thought that. I was, I was just going to chat. I was like, going, that is definitely Rikishi, isn't it? Yeah, it's about half the size Rikishi before he became, you know, um, the too cool and Scotty too hot yeah, Rikishi big, for friends. Big, uh, big king size Rikishi. There's kind of a weird group of people in there who become quite important later on, but at this point aren't very important yeah, at all. At this yeah, point, it's, it's the calm the crowd down. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those matches where you kind of look at and go, yeah, that, this is a lot of famous faces that will be in the future, but just now they're nobodies. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of nobodies, Crush is in the next hey, match. Hey, don't slag Crush. Hey. I like, I like <laughs> I did, because it's uh, Crush versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Belt. And I like Kona Crush. Yeah. You know, the Hawaii Crush going out with the signs in his hands. And oh, he on. looked ridiculous and he was bloody awful. You see, but fair play to him, though. Want to know something, though? Want to know something? Po- At that time, right, I will, I, I can yeah. you want to know a fact? Go on. Go on, then. Right. No one in the early 90s ever saw Crush and Billy Ray Cyrus in the same room at the same time. <laughs> He's not Billy Ray Cyrus. He's not Billy Ray Cyrus. Because Billy Ray Cyrus has got an icky bicky brack. He couldn't do the dropkick that Crush did this night. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Because Crush, I mean, for, for his size, he throws out a pretty good dropkick. It, it, it's pretty impressive. This was another point where memories of my childhood came back when, well, a certain duo turned up. <laughs> Boink the clown. Yeah, smoking. Yes. Yeah, that was the thing as well. <laughs> smoking cigars. Two of them as well. Quite stuck up while doing it this was an amazing spot <laughs> it was like well, you're kind of thinking, this is still like PG yeah you would not get a character in today's PG WWE smoking well remember what happened, remember what happened with um, the truth of that one time yeah exactly but if you think about it well, obviously back then he was um, this was heel evil doink wasn't yes. it this wasn't the, the comedy doink this was, this was the proper heel the was... doink <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> otherwise known as the good doink <laughs> good doink <laughs> I mean uh, Crush I mean he's not he, he during the match Macho Man just calls him like, he says he's got the total package yeah <laughs> But he, he's, I mean, but it was his favorite, you know, he's got, as like a WWE main eventer, he's got all, he ticks the boxes. He's tall, he's muscly, he's got, you know, he's strong and all that, but he can't wrestle. Can't wrestle. <laughs> That's his negative. Yeah. But then, it, you know, it worked for Hogan because he had, he had the charisma in order, in order to kind of put it up. Uh, that's enough. That's enough. But yeah, it's because it's, Crash, he's got everything there, but he hasn't got that spark. No, he doesn't have really. it, as we've described earlier no. on. He's, he's yeah. just, he, he's got everything else, but he just doesn't have it. Yeah. And so, you know, seeing that and seeing the way Michael sells for him in this match, yeah, it's almost quite embarrassing. Like thinking, you got Shawn Michaels sh- uh, selling for Crush. Yeah, really, really. Michaels was just doing his job. Shawn Michaels does have some fantastic kind of flopping about selling going on here. Yeah. Isn't totally it at one does. point where Crush just kind of punches him, and Shawn basically flings himself halfway across the ring and out through the ropes <laughs> to the other side. I think that was him practicing for his eventual one where he took the big boot from Hulk Hogan and he actually went into space. That match is <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Launched himself out of the arena. <laughs> but then, you know, that match is brilliant. Sean Michael's selling those ones. They're obviously trying to sell Crash as quite a big you know, player. <coughs> He's obviously... The, the doink thing comes in and ruins the finish where um, 
Shawn Michaels drop kicks Crush's head into the. No, he, he super kicks the back of his head. He bounces off the turnbuckle, yeah. and that's the end of it. I think earlier on, didn't um, Shawn Michaels like bash his head like several times into the ring? Post yeah, well. so it was yeah. it was set up for the for the eventual finish. Obviously, so, yeah, it's, Crush it's, versus you know, Doink must continue. It's down as being a one and a half star match, which is probably fair. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say so. Because yep. obviously this is Shawn Michaels beginning his ascension to the top, I and mean, it will be what two WrestleManias away from really kind of really properly became the man of the company. E- uh, he was climbing the ladder it? literally at WrestleMania ten. Hey, yeah. <laughs> but it's 12, 12 when he wins the belt, isn't oh, it? Twelve when he gets becomes, first world title. Twelve when he gets it. Yeah, yeah. in the most yeah. boring <laughs> world title match in the history of mankind. <laughs> I don't know. I, there's nothing more. If like Bret to... Hart's going to say was a classic, then he can <laughs> shove it. <laughs> yeah, but wow. Bret Hart carried him for that whole hour. Yeah, Bret Hart carried him for the whole Probably hour because Shawn Michaels was quite carried green. And uh, didn't know what he was doing. Without that, it would just be a four out of ten match. It would be, yeah. <laughs> so we're on to that. We're off that match now. We get we get like a, an angry Bam Bam promo. Yeah, Bam Bam's great. Then, I love Bam Bam as a kid. Fresh as a daisy, mean teen. I got some business to take care of. I have the opportunity to be the first. King of the ring, and I'm going and getting the job done. I think what, what kind of shows, like you know, we, we've kind of bagged our heart during the rest of this the rest of the, uh, <laughs> this podcast. But I mean, look at Bam Bam in the Duggar match; he's just like a big plodding big yeah. guy. But you see him in this match; he's like a really nasty threat. Yep. You know, the the difference in quality between putting like uh, you know uh, a big man with a good worker compared to two big men. It's, it's, it's you know night and day between these two matches. It's, it's you know shows how how good a work your heart is that he can pull a match like this out of Bam it's Bam. scary watching Bam Bam do a flying headbutt the size that he is he's a big fella isn't he he doesn't quite properly go to the top rope though have you noticed this is true but I, like, he would actually go through the I, mat just, if he did yeah, oh, yeah 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 yeah. he kind of tempers it by just kind of sort of going yeah. on an arc he, he doesn't get any sort of elevation off it he just kind no, of falls he, he sort of just goes which yeah. is scary enough because yeah. he's not oh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. gentleman yeah, and agile Oh, absolutely. Again, Hart really properly sells Bam Bam's moves. I mean, there's a few times um, Bret Hart takes some really nasty-looking turnbuckles. Mm. Oh, my man. God. What See is that ring move? It, it did move. Look at the move. The ring moved about a good two feet away from the steps. And he really, he really does work his best to kind of sell you know, what, what threat Bam Bam is during yeah. the whole match. I think there's one bit as well where they're outside the ring where um, Bret Hart goes to throw Bam Bam into the barriers and it's reversed mm. and Hitman nearly kills the front row yeah the front row's dead like he, he, there's a couple of kids dead he nearly takes his child out by going over the top and smashing his yeah. barrier in half does anyone you notice get that well, these the, days, the, the crowd in the, in the ringside have, has noticeably thinned at this stage yes yes I did, obviously went, down. well main event's done let's go yeah Hogan yeah. Hogan impersonator is conspicuous by his absence at this point in time <laughs> uh, he's oh, actually trying he to get a refund uh, probably it does seem very flat but I think the crowd get into it as the match goes on it's a slow burner the crowd eventually kind of yeah, like oh hang on this is actually something we should it, be paying it, attention it's, to when it's the middle of the match that kind of sells it when you've got Luna Vachon comes out with a chair yep. shot and nails um, the yep. Hitman Hitman's back in the ring but Bam Bam Pimson he wins what a weak chair shot what a big puff Brett Hart is beat up by a girl eh it's terrible I, I'd rather then, in hindsight have people take that chair shot than the match I watched the other day in ECW with Mike Awesome and uh, Masato Tanaka attempting to take each other's heads off. 
Yeah, brutal head, like head chair shots to the head of like proper nasty, aren't they? Uh, well, it was to the point where I have actually felt really quite uncomfortable watching it because obviously I we know what's happened since then, but they were yeah. absolutely waffling each other. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's Mike Awesome who can't get over without waffling someone. Sure, <laughs> although he did that have that sweet, idiot. sweet mullet. <laughs> Oh, he had a wonderful mother, is- yeah, but he cannot get over without properly braying someone. Absolutely. He just looks and kind of goes, if there's no reaction to the chair shot, he'll probably just pick them up and just yeah. slam them through a table again. Well, as he did to Tanaka at one night stand, and Tanaka really died in the process because he went through and hit the metal support. Exactly, because as long as uh, Mike Awesome gets over, he doesn't give a shit about what he's Absolutely. doing to the other guy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fucking tool. Yeah. <sighs> but I mean, like, uh, a chair shot on Mighty 3 WWE, I mean, that is quite, you know, for them at it's the time. It's still a shot. It's, it's a major yeah. event at this point. I mean, we're about, I think we're about two years from their first table shot. Uh, at least, I think. Uh, so I remember it. I remember uh, what, we'll talk about that later. Survivor Series? Yeah, Survivor Series with um, um, Diesel puts Hart yeah. through a table, which is like the first one. I remember being terrified when that happened. I was so shocked. But what was quite weird about this bit of the match, obviously, you know, uh, Luna knocks out, hits, smacks Hart with a chair. He gets pinned. Bam Bam's the king of the ring. He is the king of the ring. Don't change it. That's the end. (laughs) That's the end, yeah. But Earl Hepner comes out saying, I saw him get hit with a chair. (laughs) When (laughs) when else does that ever happen? There was Earl Hepner during the Hogan match when a flip. Yeah, exactly. Where was he half an hour ago when the bloody camera exploded on the side of the ring? That was a technical difficulty. That wasn't somebody interfering. (laughs) That was just an instant cameraman's equipment failing. Is that what it was? Uh, By the way, do we know who the cameraman was? No. Yeah. Uh, I was going to surprise this one for Cameron. Um, he's our good old friend who likes botching finishes at WrestleMania 8. Papa <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shango. No, tell me. Harvey Whippleman. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't know Harvey Whippleman could run that fast. Apparently, <laughs> got out of there quick. He grew his hair, but he grew his beard pretty fast since the Mr. Hughes match <laughs> as well. Really good, he did, yeah. Wow. He grew it in. Yeah. How cool was that? Yeah, so then um, the, the the match then just kind of just cracks onto the finish. I mean, Bam Bam does some great selling for Hart. The crowd pick up on the match, so they kind of build up to the yeah. end. And then, boom, it ends with... A um, Is it Brett? Yeah, Brett Hart on Bam Bam's shoulders, brings him down. Boom, pin. I just found, I just found that all three Brett matches didn't involve any of his signature moves, and they were all either straight pins or reversals. It just it was yeah. really weird. Oh, he loves, he loves their weird. matches in his book. Oh, he crafted them perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he does everything in those matches. He does. Does he not, you know that you know that phrase "never meet your heroes." Sure. I I think Bret Hart is probably the ideal example of that for me because I think Bret Hart would be an utter utter arsehole if you met him. Of his own arse. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I think I mean, so. He, 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 he's one of the, you've got people in wrestling that maybe aren't very. I mean, Hacksaw Jim Duggan on this pay per view. Hacksaw, <laughs> I don't really rate as a wrestler, but I would imagine sure. he's an alright kind of guy. Absolutely. Yeah, he seems nice oh, he's, enough yeah. in real life. But Bret Hart would be the exact great, opposite. Can wrestle, yeah. but would be an utter tit. If, if we go back quickly to the whole Bret Hart thing, why should we have brought it up? Um, there's, there's obviously a dispute over the whole Hogan thing, whether he was supposed to fight him at SummerSlam or whether Hogan refused the match. In my opinion, I don't think the match was ever going to happen. It's orchestrated so. by Vincent Hogan just to do Bret Hart's ego, I think. I think that's the whole point in the whole King of the Ring tournament. And uh, that's the whole point of why they did the photo shoot between him and Hogan was just a soothe Bret Hart ego. Never going to really go ahead with it. It just makes him feel good about himself. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole pay view just seemed designed yeah. to put Bret Hart yeah. over as like a legitimate threat, isn't it? Because he'd already won, he'd won his first belt. Hey, wait, but I didn't. He beat Ric Flair for yeah. the belt. 
But I think this pay-per-view is when they kind of go, right, we need to make him like a legitimate top-level yeah, he's guy. he's going to be the guy. What a victory! Never in my life have I ever seen an athletic display of courage as we have seen tonight. There is the king of the ring. I can't believe it. Yeah, because we get to the um, the, uh, the coronation, which is it was just madness. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Lawler comes. I mean, first of all, the cloak that Bret Hart gets, that's a, that's a fine that cloak. That is a great cloak. And then, like, when angry Jerry Lawler comes out, we get the birth of the, the Burger King chance. Yep. That is so weak. I'm really of all the things you could have fought back with him. Coldenberg, yeah. oh jeez, that cringe. What? I was like, oh, what? No, crowd loves it. Crowd loves like, it, and you get like a big beat down. Did, did you not know Bret Hart orchestrated Burger King? That's why it's so good. He orchestrated <laughs> it all. Was it his business? Yeah, it started off with some yeah. man selling a dead wow. cat van, and he orchestrated up to the, to what it is today. It's all his. It's all his doing. Yeah. They're actually called A-King in Canada, not Burger King. I'll tell you what I think. The only kind of king you are is the Burger King. Oh, no. Exactly. Burger King. Burger King. Burger King. So, yeah, but even though, like, it ends with Bret Hart on the floor being beaten up by Jerry Lauder, which is a strange feud to put him into for the next two years, it feels like. But, um, yeah, the whole pay-per-view is just kind of built around... Right. You know, this um, man is great. Worship this man. Please worship this man. When we come, the, the two PVs we've done so far, I think we've kind of, in a way, started looking at things that are the kind of foundations for the Attitude Era. Because first of all, in like WrestleMania 8, we had the whole um, Ric Flair, Macho Man plotline, which was more about Ric Flair trying to sleep with Elizabeth. Yeah. So it was kind of starting to kind of layer in those kind of more real plots into the thing. Mm-hmm. Then in this pay-per-view, you've got like, you know, Hogan goes out, so it's the end of that era. But you've got um, uh, Michaels and Bret Hart both beat two big men. Even though, you know, Bigelow's not like the typical WWE big mm. man. Crashes the typical WWE big man. Sure. Michaels gets over on him, and Bret Hart is made to be like, you know, the toughest man in the company. Even though both are neither the kind of usual big men that they would have as their kind of, you know, the, the, the big names of the company. <clears throat> so I think it's, the, it's, it's, that, it's that kind of start point where you kind of get to... It's the start of the evolution away from the enhanced yeah. superstars and more into the technical more agile superstar yeah yeah obviously it'll take you know three or four years for it to kind of properly go down yeah. that route but this is you know, it starts at this pay for you we kind of they, they, they make Bret Hart like that's such a tough guy mm. you know kind of getting through his matches they sell all his moves they sell how good he is they, you know, they properly put him over as like the real deal during like this whole yeah. thing so I think it's quite interesting like this is where like you know as Hulk Hogan goes out the door effectively at the end of this pay per view this is the start of like the the uh, the technical guys rising to the top and taking the company forward into the attitude. Want to hear another great Bret Hart quote? Oh, go on then. Oh, please. All right. All right. This this one I loved. I don't know if it's word for word, but it's, it's very similar. I haven't got the book in front of us. I read it last night of these chapters anyway. Um, apparently, apparently the reason he didn't get his match with uh, Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam was because he knew it. Hulk Hogan knew it, and everybody knew it. Bret Hart went out there to face Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam. They would just boo Hogan. They would boo Hogan and cheer Bret violently. Fuck and off. But that, haven't they kind of like um, they almost faced that with Sid Justice when Justice was getting yeah, and cheered? Yeah, I think that was Hogan. different. That was because it's um, at the end of his sort of thing. But he's had a year's break. I don't think there's any chance in earth that they would boo Hogan. Oh no! When you hear Hogan come out like start of his match. You know, the pop of the crowd is still exactly. Massive, there's you know? no way, no matter. There's no way. Brett, what's Brett going to do? Out talk him? 
The only way that would happen, the only way a crowd would maybe, maybe cheer Bret Hart over Hogan is if it was in Calgary. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, that's the only way. That's the only reason. If it was anywhere else on this planet, it would be Hogan. None of that time. None of that time. I mean, you might have a mixed sort of a mixed crowd, but if you think even back to WrestleMania 8, did did Bret Hart get cheered over Roddy Piper? I don't think so. It was quite a... Well, again, it was like a famous Piper, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, oh my God, there's Bret Hart. He's the best wrestler ever. We've got to cheer him. Even though he's a boring as hell, he can wrestle someone. That's not what the WWF's about. That's what he never seems to get in these books. Well, that's an interesting point then. It's like, do you think then that like Bret Hart was more put over because of the feud he was in? Rather than being, you know, rather than himself as a wrestler, I, I, I think his ability was good, but it, the WF's not. As, as loads of guys find out, it's not the place to go if you're just a good wrestler. It's very hard to make it if you're just a good wrestler. Kofi Kingston's a prime example. What we talked about before, yeah. if you, you've got yeah. to have more than just wrestling skill to get over. And sadly, yeah. Brett certainly towards the end of his career he had much more. But around then, he, yeah, he was a sound wrestler. You could depend on him and all the rest, but he didn't have that. That factor. Even Shawn Michaels had much more of a factor than uh, Bret Hart did. Yeah, I think it took like the, his feud with Bret with his feud with Michael stuff to elevate Bret yeah. Hart up a bit more. I think. I think Bret Hart always worked better when he was in a good feud because you kind of see when he goes to WCW, they don't know how to use him, and he just very quickly just drops to the mid card. Yeah, well, if that he barely got they barely used him at all, did they? Well, really? I, think, but, I think part of the problem in WCW was at the time in the late nineties when he switched over. Um, WCW was so heavy with top liners. Yeah. Like you had your Goldbergs, your Stings, your Nash, well, your Hogan. Shall we say it was full of top liners who had top liners who were in control of the book? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. All of these guys were in control of their own creative. It, it, Bret Hart couldn't get a basically couldn't get a word in edgeways. In yeah. that, he was he, he'd gone from being sort of a top guy in the WWF, switched to WCW for more money, but realised he was just now in a very crowded situation. Lost in the shuffle, and yeah. couldn't really do much about it. So they yeah. kind of really lost interest quickly. Once the kind of novelty of a we've nicked Bret Hart from WWF wore off, then Bischoff probably just saw sit there and thought they couldn't do much with it. Yeah. yeah, he went from being the guy to a guy. A guy, exactly, guy, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's quite strange that, like, you know, obviously the WWF got him got a good use out of him for quite a few years. But then again, you could argue when he left, that's when the company really kind of shot. You know, they they kind of stepped up to the next level. Then when he left, didn't he? Was it ninety seven? Some of Survivor Series ninety seven, wasn't it? Survivor Series ninety seven. Yeah, the look, Miss Montreal yeah. screw job. Uh, so obviously, off, off the back of that, we had Mister McMahon, and obviously that was when WWF went through the roof ratings wise, wasn't it? From that point onwards. So you could argue almost that Bret Hart was holding back the company. Yeah, well, yeah, because Bret Hart often says that he hates the attitude era and hates what it stood for. Yeah, I can kind of, I can kind of see his point. Yeah, there was, there was a lot. For all people love the Attitude Era and hold it in great esteem, there's a lot of puerile nonsense in the Attitude yeah. Era. Yeah. There wasn't much to do with wrestling, but it was just basically a lot of for shock really. value. Yep. Um, yeah. But you know, you know, I can appreciate from that point of view. Yes, it wasn't the best for for outright quality of wrestling. Attitude Era wasn't maybe the greatest, but for characters and sheer involvement of a crowd yeah. cannot be it. And yeah, you're probably right. You know, Bret Hart leaving kind of instigated that whole thing. From that, you know, you got Mr. McMahon character, got, you know, they, they, they got that out of it. Stone Cold obviously was pushed to the top because that gap was there. Yeah. And everything just kind of goes crazy then, doesn't it? Uh-huh. They're off to the races. Exactly. 
So, so what do we think as a whole of the King of, King of the Ring '93? Uh, <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens. Is yeah. We've just spoken for an hour and ten minutes about it. Hasn't been the matches themselves. Yeah, it's it's clearly historically important because yeah, of you know, course Hulk Hogan because the way the Hulk Hogan goes. But I think yeah, the actual event itself, apart from putting apart from you know the uh, the perfect yeah perfect Bret, uh, Bret Hart match, match. that's it. Beyond that, you've got just yeah. matches. There is some yeah. awful filler. Perfect yeah. Um, yeah. Bret Hart semi final is good. The Razor Ramon Bret Hart opener is good. Uh, I, still think, I still think Tatanka Luger is a decent match for a watch. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's all right. And the, the, the Bam Bam Hart finish is good as well. Yeah, yeah, Bam 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 give, give that credit. Good. Um, yeah. Apart from that, a lot of the other yeah. matches are kind of, as we say, they have the benefit of hindsight because you can kind of go, oh, yeah, there's Michael. So he's not quite, you know, he'll, he'll come yeah. good. Um, I wouldn't say it's a B, plus. I would maybe say a C. It was. Well, what, what, what? What we'll do then, because obviously we already talked about WrestleMania 8, where would you rank it but, uh, compared to WrestleMania 8? Better or worse? Oh, uh, worse. Worse. Worse by far. Yeah, interesting. I think I'll probably do that as well. Because I'm kind of thinking, if we keep doing that for every pay-per-view, we'll eventually build up. Like, I like it. I like it. Like, it. like a league table. Like a rank. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like it. Yeah, let's so, do that. So, yeah. so currently, of the, of, of the pay-per-views we've done, WrestleMania 8 is the best yeah. pay-per-view of all time. Cracking idea. Cracking idea, Phil. I like so that. Far. And uh, yeah. currently, King of the Ring 1983 is the equivalent of this year's it's... Manchester United squad. <laughs> yes. Yep. Just, just plain shit. <laughs> just pretty shit. Just plain shit. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, that's King of the Ring 93. That was round two done. Yeah. yeah. Get it? Um, no, they don't have rounds in US wrestling, do they? So we can't call it. They do with King of the Ring. Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? Yes. Yay. Hey, <laughs> not in a, not in a <laughs> kind of one match stance, but yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, makes, makes sense. Um, we didn't get any fan feedback on this one, so yeah. never mind. Oh, well. Hopefully next time. We're just, we're just new. Um, we're just establishing our show, uh, ourselves. Exactly. Now, what should we do next? I, I've got a couple of suggestions what I think we should do next. All right, well, what have you got? Well, because I thought like we'd, um, like I said earlier about, you know, we kind of picked pay-per-views that are kind of leading towards the attitude there. I thought, well, what's a kind of good next step towards that? And I've got like maybe a, like, a couple from 95, either the Survivor Series in 95, the SummerSlam in 95, or the In Your House that was in between them, one of those three. Each one's got something in it that will refer, you know, kind of though is like another step towards the attitude mm. era to me. We've not done Survivor Series yet, have we? No. I, we did two I do shows. like Survivor Series 95. Should we do that then? Survivor Series 95? Done. Survivor Series 95. So, if you want to take part in next week's show, let us know what you think about Survivor Series 95. Probably posting on the Facebook page is the best thing for now because um, I'm just in the middle of transferring my domain name. So, once that's done, I can get an email address sorted out. Oh, brilliant. So, once that's done, I get that sorted out. So, uh, or you can, you know, fire it to us on Twitter. Through our Twitter handles, even Ninja Phil for me, Triple H for Cam, Jordi Al, Alan, Alan, Jordi Al, and um, Ewan's is Wandering Ewan. Indeed, it is. See, I can't remember your actual names, but I can remember your Twitter names. What's more important? Yeah, so, uh, good podcast, everybody. Can I yeah, finish the Brett Hartford? Go on, then. Oh, go on, then. I, lo- oh, I, lo- I love, I love Brett. Oh, he-, he almost writes his own nonsense. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I get about the WrestleMania 9, you know when he lost the title and all that? It yeah. was a mistake. Do you know why it was a mistake? Well, it was Shows a mistake. fell. 
Oh, the attendance for house shows fell, right? <laughs> Do you know who was headlining them house shows? Uh, Bret Hart? Hart? <laughs> yes. Nailed it. <laughs> because Hogan was away. So either they were coming to see Hogan that knew he wasn't there, or they specifically just came to see the world title and that wasn't there. So, <laughs> so the yeah, that's just the point. <laughs> Oh, Brett, 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 Brett. I I kind of feel bad for him. I don't, he's a dick. I literally read that chapter and I just picked so many faults with it. (laughs) It looks very good, you should read that. What book's that? Is that his um, his, his book? Yeah. I have it. I have it. My pile of shame to read. It. It's the one it took him about seven years to finish. It was brilliant. But well, when I've read a bit back, it, literally every paragraph ends with the words, I'm brilliant, something along them lines. Right, the, the book is called um, Brett Hetman Hart. Well, that's easy to remember. <laughs> oh, thanks. How many <laughs> How many pages has it got out? Oh, it's loads. It's quite a thick book. I can tell you. Yeah. Um, the In total, the book has 573 pages. Because I wow. remember infamously, apparently, the first manuscript that Bret Hart handed to the publishers was about 900 pages long. <laughs> and they basically turned around and went, uh, no. no. <laughs> I bet he was like meticulously like, doing that, like every single match. Then I, then I did the atomic drop, then I did yeah. the bat break. That was after he claimed to invent the world and everything in it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the Hitman's world. We just live in the whole paragraph, which is basically him writing the words, "I'm not taking a jackknife again and again and again." <laughs> like, like it's he's in the shiny, like he's in the shiny. Like shiny. <laughs> oh bless! I will never work bless for Vince McMahon ever again. Yes, <laughs> all work yeah. and no jackknife makes Brett and happy boy. And anyone who nice. watched uh, the match with Vince McMahon at that WrestleMania probably wished he had never worked with Vince ever again. <laughs> oh, that match was awful. <sighs> Oh, God, yeah. That's for another day on the podcast. Indeed. Yeah. This is turning into a really anti-Bret Hart episode. (laughs) I don't hate the guy. I just think sometimes you should think before you write stuff. Uh, Like, all the time. A a brilliant wrestler, probably when I was growing up, my favourite as a kid. Yeah. It's quite a soft spot for Bret Hart. Do Do you think this is how people might look back and see on Punk, considering the situation? Maybe. I don't um, think CM Punk's done. I think we'll see him again one day. He'll come yeah, back. I, I think was, CM Punk will come back. But I think he'll come back, but a, it's a similar situation almost. Um, I was listening to, I was, just to riff off that for a second, I was listening to um, one of the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcasts with Paul Heyman, which was fantastic. Yeah, those shows was were brilliant. good. But he's, um, it was quite, he mentioned on there about, like, um, he was talking about the end of ECW, and if it basically if it lasted like a couple more years then they would have been like picking up the next kind of level of talent coming up from the independents, which would have been like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and those kind of people. So that would have been quite interesting, I thought. If like it was a really interesting point to talk about like, you know, if ECW lasted two more years and kind of kept itself as like a proper company, then they would have been the ones who got Punk and Daniel Bryan and mm. probably Cesaro whenever he started. And they, they, you know, you would have had Paul Heyman guiding their career for much longer, which would have been, you know, very interesting. But it's probably fair to argue that Kind of Ring of Honor have taken that mantle. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're kind of the below NXT level as far as WWE will see. Yeah, I mean, you know, not ECW did have that problem of they were popular, but as soon as they had an act that got anywhere near over and top line, taken. they were taken away. Yeah. So ECW yeah. kind That's of what, had um... to keep this production line going of talent. Yeah, and build them up and yeah. build them up and then oh they've gone build up the next guy build up the next guy and he's gone 
Yeah. Uh, it yeah. became really easy just for you know people to just bugger off for you know well not even just a bigger Double pay packet but let's like, say a more reliable a- one. A pay packet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but if, if you've not listened to um to it, I really recommend those two episodes with Paul Heyman. Mm. They're really interesting. The, the way he kind of goes into um the things that kind of put the company down and the problems they had with money wise and all that yeah. kind of things. It's it's very very interesting. Jim Ross has got um Jim Cornette in his show this week. There'll be a lot of bitterness in that Probably. one. Probably <laughs> a lot of bitterness. Yes, yeah, a good good podcast, fellas. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. We'll, we'll be back next time with Survivor Series nineteen ninety five. Okay. Um, I forgot how we were ending the show. Oh, the conquistadors have left the building. There, you there go. we are. Was, was that it? It'll do. Yeah. The death of conquistador Romania. We should have, we should have some kind of sound effect of some announcer going, "Ladies and gentlemen, the conquistadors have left the building." And that's the drop. Yeah, that's, that's, that's your homework today, right there, Cam. Record that. Oh, you just, I just did record it. So I can just edit that in, can yeah. I? Yeah, I'll yeah, just put a bit of effect put, on it if you can. Put some echo on it. Yeah, job done. I'll do it after on the end. I'll, but I'll, I'll, edit it, uh, I'll edit out us agreeing that before I put the podcast off. <laughs> Probably for the, the end. best, yeah. Probably for the best. But I'm thinking I should leave this in because that makes the joke even funnier at <laughs> the end of the show. Fair enough. <laughs> Bye then. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Conquistadors have left the building. Perhaps the greatest hero in the history of the planet.